folks, welcome back to Cult Cinema Catacombs. Um, yeah, baby. Mad Monkey Fog Tits. Yes. Mad Monkey Fog Tits. What are we watching? Because I'm super ready for it. So I, I know in the last episode we said that we're going to be doing Maximum Overdrive. And we still are. It'll be the next episode. We, we've postponed Maximum Overdrive for an episode because a special event has happened courtesy of Amazon Prime. This is a special edition episode. Yes. A special engagement, as you will. This is another, uh, we needed to up the ante to break Andrew faster. <laughs> I feel like I'm being groomed for, like, what was the name of uh, Smallville Sex Cult? Nexium? Is that <laughs> Good one. <laughs> um, the, I, the, the, the funny thing is, is the movie we're about ready to do actually fits in with the theme of Inspired by Cocaine because that's one of the many drugs that inspired this movie. And what's also great about this movie is it's Canon Pictures' Golan Globus glory. Oh, God. Is there anything better than <laughs> Golan Globus, though? <laughs> Like, is there anything better in the world? Like, uh, Lacey and I were having a conversation about, like, movies, right? Like, this was earlier today, and, and she asked me if I liked Final Destination, and I said no. And she <laughs> said, why? And I said, because it, it tries and it lands in the middle. I need them either real good or real bad. Like Golden Globus bad. Like that's that's where for me that the that is the perfect that is the perfect place to land. Yeah, definitely. I mean Golden Globus I mean we could do a show alone on Golden Globus. Don't wait. All con next year. <laughs> I mean I mean a whole entire like podcast series yeah, on could, the Golden Globus catalog. <laughs> we should do we should do a special if we can get a live show at Alcott next year again. We should do a special kind of Golden Globus tribute. Oh yeah, definitely because it it, it would definitely work. And was it Masters of the Universe Golden Globus? Yes, it was. It was hell yeah. It was. It, was, it was distributed through Warner Brothers, but it was Golden Globus. Yes, and so was Superman Four. So there's a whole great documentary on some channel about Golden Globus. Oh, Netflix, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, oh, so good. But we're going to see one of their most infamous what-the-fuck films that they've ever made. This film is from 1980. It's a musical. and It's, it's a, not Xanadu. It, it actually makes Xanadu look straight. It's not Xanadu. It's not Xanadu. It makes, it makes Xanadu look straight. It really does. It, it, it outgays Can't Stop the Music, which is saying a lot because that's about the village people. Um, we are looking at the 1980 musical The Apple. Um, and the reason why we're going with this one is because I was shocked when I found out you've never seen this thing. And yeah. this is actually in the echelon of, if you have like a list of must see cult films, this is in there. Um, a little bit about the Apple. So the film is set in the future of 1994 and, right. And, and, right. Starting with that, yes. <laughs> and the thing is, is when you look at the future of 1994, it strangely looks like 1980 Canada. Um, it looks like nine. Well, my I watched it and I got the first fifteen seconds to the trailer about to the point where they start talking about the fact that it's 1994, and I said, 
but Roy, I've seen Logan's run. And, uh, <laughs> and what's, it's, what's, what's great is you'll even see this in the beginning of the movie. The car from The Simpsons, the Homer, has a cameo in this film. Nice. So they did the Homer before The Simpsons did the Homer. <laughs> but the, be- the best way I could describe this movie that's set in the future of 1994 is imagine if Stefan from Saturday Night Live made a movie. This is the result. It is the Stefan of cinema. It really is. Um, yeah, we got to the first 15 seconds of the trailer, and I said, Roy, but I've already seen Rollerball. <laughs> I, literally, this film has it all. It has drugs. It has sex. It has musical numbers. It has gay fucking shit all over the place. It's got Satan. It's got God. It's got the biblical... Don't give away too much. No, it's... I mean, it's very... Well, cl- shit, it's called The Apple. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got you've got the book of Genesis being adapted in this thing. I mean, they aren't burying the lead. You, Let's just put you watch the trailer. There, nobody's burying the lead. There's not a Shyamalan twist in this thing. <laughs> oh, there is a twist in the ending, though. I can't tell you. There is a twist to the ending. Is it, it does it have to do with Harvey Firestein? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh. um, I this film literally does have it all. I and. Um, it's so batshit crazy, and all the all the music is you know written originally for this film. Who did it? Um, besides Golden Globus, like who did the music? Um, let me see here because I know the well, film. All but one song. One song was plagiarized. Yeah, there is there is a man with four keytars, four effing keytars in the trailer for this. <laughs> um, the biggest claim to fame that this movie has. Is and this is going to blow your mind. Let's hear it. Okay, one of the big things about this movie is is that the government is now run by basically American Idol, right? And that they are the ones that have control over our government now. Okay. The choreographer for this movie, who choreographed the musical numbers, is one of the co-creators of American Idol, Nigel Lithgow. Really? Yes. That's amazing. And What's-His-Face from Dancing with the Stars is one of the dancers in this film. Um, Which? I can't remember his name now. Who was it? It was... Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, the gay one. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so the soundtrack to the Apple, let's see here. The, the score was, was performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Musical score. Who did the musical score? Uh, the musical score was performed by the London Symphony Orchestra and it was written and conducted by George Clinton. What? Not, not George Clinton of Parliament. Yeah, George Clinton. But George S. Clinton, the guy who did, you know, like the music for Austin Powers and yes, Philadelphia, yes. you know, all that stuff. Yes, that George S. Clinton. Um, the music was written by the uh, music writers known as Kobe Wrecked and Iris Wrecked. So it's okay. appropriate that their last name is Wrecked. Wrecked? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was distributed by the Canon Group. It cost, in 1980, $10 million to make this movie. Shit. And it bombed. Hardcore. Yes, actually, this was the acting debut of Catherine Mary Stewart who would go on to have quite an interesting career of her own. I mean, she went on to star in um, 
well, first she went on to go uh, to star in Days of Our Lives. Right. Um, she was also in Nighthawks. Uh, but her biggest claim to fame is, is that she went on to star in some of the biggest cult films ever made. The Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet, Weekend at Bernie's. I, these are three huge cult films that she would go on to star in. Nice. Um, so she's really the only like true name that's in well, the Well, it's film. just amazing to me that they would spend that much money and not be paying actors mm-hmm. and actresses. You know, that's... Well, all, That's pretty astounding. You'll see the money went towards the sets, the costumes, and the drugs, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, now, Chris did mention that there was a lawsuit involved with yes. one of the songs. Uh, yes, the song called "I'm Coming," um, and which is the which is the in the trailer. Yes. Uh-huh. Is that the orgy scene? Oh, you have no idea. We're not going to tell you. Where you have no idea. Um, okay. It was Donna Summer who sued them. Just the trailer, though. Not in reference to the movie itself. Donna Summer and Peter Olatte sued them over one of her songs. They they basically took the backing track of one of her Donna Summer's disco songs from the early 70s and wrote new lyrics to it and stole the song. So they were successfully sued for that. Yes. Damn. Um, the the film also actually held for the longest time the Guinness Book of World Records for biggest indoor laser show for one of the musical numbers called Speed. Okay. Um, they um, filmed some of the scenes in a factory that formerly served as a gas chamber during World War II because this was filmed. What? Yes, because the majority of this film was filmed in Germany. Fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> Portions was filmed in the United States, but a lot of it was filmed in West Germany. Um, this I'm on a lot of cold medicine. This, this conversation's happening. Yes, right? this this conversation it's, is that's happening. Exactly yes. what you would say if it wasn't Roy. <laughs> um, what else can I tell you about this movie? Oh. The response to this movie. So, oh, yeah. yes. Okay. So, when this movie was released, it it had its big debut in October of 1980, and everyone who went to go see the debut of this movie was given free copies of the soundtrack on vinyl. Oh shit! Well, those are collectors' items now, and the reason <laughs> the reason being is because. The film was received so poorly by the audience after it was over, and the audience was so pissed off by what they just witnessed, they threw the albums at the movie screen, destroying the movie screen. Oh my god. Yeah. Thus destroying the records also. So if any of those records survived, they're a collector's item now. Um, the music, some of the music in this movie is actually not that bad. I love the soundtrack. Um, there's there's actually some really good songs in this thing, and it's addictive as hell. My favorite so, song though is is there is a love ballad. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's good one. my favorite song. And it's very so it's very disco rock. I mean, it's going to look like Kiss's Wet Dream at one point in this movie. <laughs> what um, is your what uh, well, both of you? Since producer Chris is is here, thank you. I appreciate producer Chris. <laughs> Um, what is your, it doesn't feel like a show unless producer Chris is here. Yes. Um, what, uh, what is your relationship with this movie? Like you guys both went, but like, like gorilla Triscuits. 
well, on me because I hadn't seen this. So, like, what is your relationship with this thing? We heard about this film from a critic friend of ours uh, named Alonzo Duralde. And he was talking about just how crazy this film is and how it's one of those films where when somebody says, I've seen everything, you show it to them immediately. Um, okay. And so we found it. It was, re- it was released kind of silently on DVD by MGM. And okay. we went, okay, let's take a look at this thing and see what it's all about. Yeah, and we had both not heard of this film until Alonzo told both of us. So we're both exactly like in sync with that. Mm-hmm. We, I didn't know about it either until after Alonzo told us. So we saw that it was released on DVD, so we said, okay, let's rent it and check it out. We immediately bought it afterwards. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and now we own the Blu-ray. Yeah, now we own the Blu-ray, which was restored, by the way. They restored the movie, and oh, my God. Um, that movie, did, this movie doesn't deserve the restoration that it has. Like hell, it doesn't. But the glitter all over the fucking place just will blow your mind. I mean, if you're high while watching this movie, Good. you're going to be sitting there going, oh, wow, the whole time. Um, this film really is gay as fuck. It really is. And um, I, it just it was. I was just in shock the entire time. I, I was slack jawed while watching the whole thing, and going, I can't believe. Even for Golan Globus, I can't believe this thing got released. And so we immediately said we have to own this movie. And it's become just one of those ones where we just really want to have a giggle fit of how bad this uh, film could be. It, this is one of them we watch like with the room and stuff like that. So it's the it's the alpha to Liquid Sky's Omega. Oh yeah. Almost. Like where Liquid Sky you're just kind of like this is just you know pasted together weird you know art house craziness that somehow is like engaging on like you know some like this is different this is just like just like slapping you in the face with its big old dick pretty much just, yeah i, I will okay. let you know what, what was that animated one that we saw not too long ago that you made us watch oh that was uh, rock and rule i will tell you right now the first half of this film you're gonna think oh my god rock and roll ripped off the apple because there are a lot of elements that are yeah. very similar okay and rock and roll takes a whole different twist so it, it does not become bad but okay. you see shades of that. Like, wait a minute, I've seen this plot before. Oh, no, you haven't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, okay. you haven't. I'm in. I'm 100. percent I watched that trailer and I'm like, shit, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for whatever's about to happen to me. So the, the best little bit of trivia though about this movie was the main, the main reason why this film was made was not only to cash in on the success of Saturday Night Fever. Okay. But it was also made as a tax shelter for Golan Globus. Okay. So they knew this film was going to fail. <laughs> and so... This was their, their the producer. Yes. So they knew this movie was going to fail. So they just threw so much money into it. And when the movie failed, they got the tax write-off. So it was a huge tax shelter. So, yeah, imagine the producers. Interesting. Except except imagine if the producers got away with it. Golan Globus got away with it with the Apple. 
Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm in. And, and Catherine Mar- and, and Catherine Mary Stewart does her own singing in this movie. So, so imagine the girl from the Night of the Comet, Weekend at Birdies, and the Last Starfighter singing about songs, speed. But they're not bad though. The songs, are, the soundtrack is pretty good. Oh wait a minute! There is one more little bit of trivia. I totally forgot about this. Uh, that has a connection with, um, <laughs> I guess you could say, like uh, cult things and everything else, is is that uh, this movie also features the debut. Um, and it's very, it's a very big part. She's one of the dancers, but we have an extreme close up of her at one point. Miss, okay, Miss Finola Hughes. Fiona. Fiona, uh, no, Fiona. Fiona. Fiona Hughes. Okay. Um, who would not only go on to be the antagonist in Staying Alive, the sequel oh, to, oh, Sa- to okay. Saturday Night Fever, but she also went on to become a star on All My Children, General Hospital, um, and also the hist- the like a go-to host. For a lot of shows on the Learning Channel and Home and Garden Television, oh, you'll, you'll recognize her. her the minute you see her. Um, but yeah, this was her film debut as well. Nice. And, and like I said, she's at one point front and center, so you will definitely recognize her face. Oh, I'm ready. Staying Alive, ready. I think, is one we should do at one point also. Because, I, I, I mean, the, there's a list of films that they have released that have a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes that they say you need to see once in your life, and one of them is Staying Alive. Well, just so you know, let, I'm just going to run through 1980 and 1981 and for Golan Globus. This is the canon years, okay? Yeah. Just so that we can get it, so that you can get a taste of what we were talking about earlier. Um, look, I'm going to start with Hot T-Shirts, um, last rites, the happy hooker goes to Hollywood, schizoid, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hype, Seeds of Innocent, the great skycopter rescued the apple. <laughs> the apple is followed with it um, less than a month later by New Year's Evil, which is followed by Enter the Ninja. Oh, that's such a great movie. Uh, Hospital Massacre, uh, Body and Souls in there, so good on them. But then, like Death Wish Two, Ladies Chatterley, Ladies Chatterley's Lover, like it's just if you haven't gone through and just looked at a list of Golden Globus's films through the eighties, goddamn, you need to because it's fantastic. And the thing is, is that when you go and look at the films that this was up against okay. in nineteen eighty. This was released around the same time as, um, well, the flop Heaven's Gate. So that's that's another notorious flop. Um, but it was up against Raging Bull. <laughs> it was also up against a surprise hit horror movie, Maniac. Oh yes, Maniac. <laughs> so it was it was up against you know just just a little film you know you know you know not a very big wait, film. Wait, was it? Wait, nineteen eighty. Yeah, you know, but like I said, you know, not that many people went to go see Raging Bull. <laughs> you know, it's just a little short indie film, yeah. That's right. The same year that brought us Empire Strikes Back and Xanadu. Yes. <laughs> so, are you ready to dive into the Hell future yeah. of 1984? I've got, I've got, like, face paint. 
and just a bunch of body glitter. Let the magic touch you <laughs> in all the bad places. The magic has touched me so many times, Chris. <laughs> oh. oh, I can't wait to hear your reaction to this. All right, folks, we are going to cut away to go watch the apple, and we will be right back. In 1994, the world is controlled by one power. The apple is success. There ain't no pride! There ain't no shame! There ain't no sympathy! you everything. What about happiness? I wanted to release Phoebe from a contract. Cheers. Where is she? I stand alone. I stand alone. The apple is the temptation. The apple is the experience. Take the apple! Whoa! Praise the apple! The apple is the forbidden fruit. Come and take me and shake me and mold me and make me and fill me up with your fire. Come do anything to me. Your little heart desires. Ooh, I've never been so high in my life. Phoebe, I must see you. I gotta talk to you. The apple takes your soul. Special experience in movie-going entertainment, The Apple. All right, so we're back. And uh, Mr. Farmer, are you a child of love? I don't know what I am. <laughs> I want, I'm making this pitch right the, the F now. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're going to have... We're going to have BIM marks at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> we will have BIM marks at all costs. I will print them and bring them. But if you're not wearing them, it's going to be like the droid hunt. If you're not wearing your BIM mark, we're going to arrest you. <laughs> See, we've already, we've already said that if they were to ever reissue this soundtrack at all, it would be part of Record Store Day. And it should contain in there the Bim Mark sticker. 
Yeah, it 100% should. <laughs> so prior to us um, recording, we were discussing that they that the, there was a prologue that was never filmed that probably would have helped a little bit with this film. I think it was filmed. I just don't think it was ever released into the theatrical cut of the movie. There was a lot that was not released into the theatrical okay. cut of the movie, apparently. Um, in 2008... Uh, I, there was some theater in Los Angeles that got the director's cut of the film, so who knows? What well, apparently one of the things that uh, that the, the director's cut of the film has is longer versions of some of the songs, including an extended version of "Child of Love," because um, Lord. Lord knows we need more of that song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was only one song I wanted more of, and that was "Speed." <laughs> That's that. That's one of the big numbers of the movie. Yes. So, um, where do you want to begin with this thing? God, I don't know. Um, I want to start with the fact that um, the movie was supposed to be, and in its in its inception and creation was supposed to be an allegory for uh, 1984, the book 1984. Yeah. Um, it is not that, <laughs> not and, even a little bit. This is classic Golan Globus. Like we've got <laughs> this idea that you've given us the rights to. And, um, yeah, this is what we're going to do with it. Masters of the universe. <laughs> we're going to put Gwildor eating bush ribs in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing, I mean, not only was this originally supposed to be set in 1984, but they said, we're close to 84. Let's put it in 94 because it's yeah. futuristic. Yeah, 90, the, the hedonistic days of 1994. <laughs> but that it was also based on a Hebrew allegory play. Yes! And so they just <clears throat> took this Hebrew allegory play and said, let's gay it up. So, okay, I, uh, yeah, I need to ask you this. <laughs> your finger is way more on the pulse of this than mine is going to be. Is being gay bad? <laughs> like, because, like, if you watch the movie all the way through, which right. I insist that you do, um, you know, the entire beginning, the entire 90% of this movie, I also got problems with the, the hippies and the timeline therein. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, it is fabulous like the the first 90 percent of the movie and then the last 10 percent of the movie not to, spoiler alert god comes down and takes what i'm going to imagine are all the straight people to heaven and then what what has happened just help me, help me understand <laughs> there's a lot this. going on in this movie let's just say that there's there's i mean because you've got not only the um the <laughs> the the evil America's Got Talent show that the whole world is forced to watch. Yeah, Eurovision uh, of the devil. <laughs> With Mandy and Pandy um, uh, performing. And, 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 and let's talk about Mandy and his... Um, if you want to, sure, let's do it. Um and his loincloth of doom. His loincloth of doom, yes. And his There's a lot of loincloths. There's a lot of punching of the air and loincloths. Yeah, and his his non <laughs> his non existent muscles, even though he's supposed to be this muscle god. 
And I was like, it, it was like three foot two, right? <laughs> I, 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 and that was in heels, yes. <laughs> well, it's like it, it, it's like they, they, he's supposed to be the sex god, and when we finally get to see him wearing close to nothing, it's it like was nothing. It was like somebody. It's like me without my shirt on. It's like what? It's like well, it's like somebody took Robert Daltrey and starved him for two months. I think you're giving that guy. I think you're giving uh, <laughs> Daltrey not enough credit. Like, and then after starving Robert Daltrey for two months, instead of feeding him, they slather him in glitter paint and say, "Here, go do a musical number in hell." Well, oh, but but it was all but the, all the hell stuff was all theoretically a vision, right? A denim I class vision. I think by, so. By a Canadian waterfall slash folk singer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alfie. Was it Alfie? That was Alfie. Alfie, yes. Alfie and BB. It's a, yeah, apparently it was all in his head. I mean, first, first he experienced an earthquake. And then, you know, that's when he suddenly had the vision of uh, hell. Hell. Complete with an actual, actual, actual vampire. Yeah, oh, that was my favorite thing. That was my favorite thing in the entire movie was and a lot and a real vampire and just for a for a smash cut just, and it wasn't even a smash cut. It was just a vampire pops into into frame like from the bottom up, just eh, and then just leaves. I'm a vampire. Hey. It was like that was great. it was like that that whole that that whole. I mean. We 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 got to go back, but that we'll we'll talk about the hell segment in a minute. Let's go back to Eurovision. Um, so I mean, we get our introduce uh, introductions to Mandy and Pandy as Bim during this uh, rock disco number uh, filled with glitter and glam, and then we cut to uh, Mr. Boogalow, the villain. Um, <laughs> when it comes to portrayals of people who are supposed to be Satan, he was the most French. It I've, dawned on me. Okay, so it <laughs> dawned on me about halfway through the movie where I recognize him from, and it is from my one of my favorite movies of all time, Red Dawn, <laughs> in which he plays. I believe it's it's been probably it's been too long, but I believe he plays the Cuban military leader. No, no, it's the Russian military leader. Yes, because yeah, that that takes over Michigan. Yes. Um, but <laughs> That's who that is. Well, he even, he, well, he even makes a joke in one of the song lyrics about the world is just a casino royale. He was, yeah, he was in the original Casino Royale back in the sixties with um, with uh, Peter Sellers and David yeah. Niven and all them. So I was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and I'm like, no one's gonna know that reference. <laughs> oh, but you did. But you know, we got we've got French Satan and. Um, that you were going to say French Stewart, and I was like, "What person is this?" <laughs> we, we've got we've got the French Satan, and then his his gay assistant, um, who Snake, sn- snart, snurk, <laughs> snake, sn- s- snick, snook, snick, 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 snick. Okay. And the thing is, is that, I mean, one of the things that drove me nuts in the movie, and it wasn't until we got the I can't believe they restored this in two K. When they restored the movie in 2K on Blu-ray, we finally figured out what was going on with Snick's teeth. Yeah, what is that? Is that a grill? 
Well, at first I thought he just had lipstick on his teeth, and I'm like, somebody get that shit off of him because he was because he, he had lipstick and lip gloss on at the same time throughout this whole film. Now wait oh, a minute, don't go trashing him. He's on his way to Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> he's in he's in Velvet Goldmine for shit's sake. Let's leave him alone. But then I discovered he actually has jewels in his teeth. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, let okay. me let me tell you with the 2K restoration of this film, when they do the faraway shots of of uh, Mandy and Handy performing the Bim song on the stage, they they are shiny and chrome. They really are, <laughs> and I mean we couldn't believe how they were glittering. And I'm going, good God, this film doesn't deserve this restoration. <laughs> so. And, and, and I'm trying to figure out how they were able to rate the success of a song by yes. heartbeats. Yes, heartbeats, right? <laughs> We've got 150 heartbeats. What? How were they able to determine the heart? I mean, were the seats rigged to, to find out what the heartbeats were? I just you mean like heart rate, like a heart rate monitor. Is that what you I meant? Think, like, I think that's what it was. And I'm going, you know, if my heart rate. While listening to music, ever got to 150 beats per minute, I'd go to the hospital because there's something wrong with my heart. It's about to explode. It's, it's like it's, it's like I've sat down and I ate about a five pound bucket of pork. My favorite <laughs> thing about that entire scene was the uh, the the fact that they've invented the brown note. Except the brown <laughs> note makes you bite and get really angry. Oh, the red tape. The red tape. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, because when B.B. and Alfie go up there to perform their love song, which apparently is banned in this society, uh, they ban yeah, you love can't be You can't be uh, the Carpenters in this society, no. pal. And it was, like, it was like they were claiming it was just nostalgia and blah, 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 and the audience is going nuts. So they pull out a literal red tape, a cassette tape, and illegally play it, and yeah, the brown note comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and everybody gets real mad. <laughs> and, um, but for some, but but for some reason, for reasons not explained, Mister Boogaloo <laughs> decides to invite them to the victory party and sign them to his record uh, to a recording contract with his record label. Well, does the audience like them? Yeah, because he beat his people. He's a smart devil. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I, I'm actually surprised that they said yes after what happened. And, you know, well, you know, uh, Alfie really didn't. But BB being the woman and being Eve, of course, you know, as, 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 as we've learned in the book of Genesis. And Carrie the musical, and, Eve is weak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, she got she got Ron Popeil's patented two minute seduction up in the uh, magic room. <laughs> yes, by Australian Napoleon and his uh, maid of helmet fur. <laughs> I've never been so high before. <laughs> oh, really? Try one of these pills and make out with me. We just met. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, that whole musical number about you're made for me. I was just like. Wow, we, we, this is fast. She moves yeah, fast. She really mm. moves fast. The tango from hell. Oh, and then there was the introduction of the Bim Mark um, in the scene from the extreme. There was a lot of homosexuality in this movie. So as, as if Snick wasn't gay enough, 
Then we get the marketing guy from them who like comes in like he's about ready to introduce a second segment on Project Runway. Oh god, he always had if that's the way I have to dress as a marketer, I am 100% behind. <laughs> to introduce the BIM mark, which is just a goddamn sticker that you put well, on Well, he you. had BIM glasses first. Yes. Like, everything had to be weird and square, so he had BIM glasses that were weird and square, and then he had the BIM mark, yes. Yes, and so everybody well, every had to wear the BIM mark. Every time he appeared on screen, I was waiting for him to announce a name pulled out of a fishbowl to be announced as tribute. <laughs> Primrose Everdeen, you get a BIM mark. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, the, so the seduction happens, and I'm, I'm surprised after um, after uh, Barry Manilow's evil twin um, made out with BB that there was no repercussion with that. that well, what would the repercussion be? I, I, I think the, reper the repercussion for that would be Alfie absolutely refusing to go see Mr. Boogaloo to sign the recording contract, which is why when, when they're going to the office to sign the recording contract, I'm going, why are you agreeing to this? You know, they just, they, they just, you just saw it get set up to where they seduced your girlfriend. Man up. Well, he wasn't like he, he was having none of it. You know, he was he was having apocalyptic visions and, you know, you know vampire, uh, a real vampire and the the Apple song. Uh, the, well, well, that's the, what happens. Can we spend the next eight days talking about the Apple song, please? <laughs> well, bef well, uh, well, well, we first have to discuss um, the way Mr. Boogaloo came to work. With no, he came to work. There's a difference. <laughs> with, There's a difference. When he when he comes walking into the office with the big giant like theatrics and um, <laughs> the the circus act going on behind him, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere we get the Fosse dancers while they're talking about the amazing shrinking man. Oh, oh, the Circus 2000. Yes, yeah, Circus 2000. Circus 2000, which was basically Cirque du Soleil. Yep. But um, weirder, which is somehow possible, apparently. You know, that number is why Bob Fosse allowed himself to die. <laughs> this is the movie that killed yeah. Bob Fosse. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, after so after he comes to work and he, they finally get into the office and they're going over the contracts and of course here Alfie's being the smart one actually by questioning this contract and yeah I, after everything that's happened to him in the past twenty four hours I'd be questioning this too but BB my life choices up to that point yeah but B, BB is like oh let me sign it. And he's just like, wait, let's read this. You know, this guy just tried to steal you away from me, and you're ready to sign. And then right. that's when the magic of the Apple musical number happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy it's, shit. It's, just... <laughs> it's, wow. it's like Sid Marty Croft presents hell. 
Well, like, so I here's the 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 transition was like they were in the they were in the office and then they were in hell. Like it was like that. Yeah, that was the transition, and they were like like pig headed men, BDSM pig headed like <laughs> like on leashes, and then the one, and then um, Boogaloo. Boogle, Boogle, Boogleman, Boogler, um, has like that one horn and is just straight Bella Lugosi up, baby. Yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved that this version of Satan had only one horn, and it was fabulous with the glitter. Oh, he was, yeah, like, like he had the entire like, like let's just make him look like Bella Lugosi with the the. The weird black tux and the cape. I don't think he had the red tux on at this point. I think the red tux was at the end of Eurovision. Um, the red tux with the chandelier necklace. Yes. God, it's beautiful. Just. <laughs> and so we get the big giant uh, musical number where where you know new apple. Um, the, the literal apple is brought out of nowhere. And at this point, it's like there's no subtlety. To the references to Adam and Eve at this point. No. no. Um, and not to mention the fact that um, at one point during the Apple song, um, you know, uh, Napoleon, um, <laughs> Napoleon uh, Neil Diamond says, now it's time for the Apple dance. Yes. There was no Apple dance. <laughs> that was probably the most disappointing thing. I wanted to learn an Apple dance, but man. There was choreography. It was in, there were interlocking parts. Like there was no learning that apple dance. I tried, but you weren't learning. Nobody was learning that apple dance. I thought maybe the apple dance was they were going to do like what they did in Yellow Submarine with the Bonkers, where they were going to take the giant apple and throw it on top of people's heads, uh, <laughs> like in Yellow Submarine. But no, we didn't get that either. And so you know that happens, and that makes uh, uh, that makes. Uh, Alfie, you know, leave, and BB stays. Yes, and gets a makeover from hell, and I. And it's like it's, it's basically her makeover made her look like what if Kesha and Avril Lavigne had a, a, a child, and the results would be bimmed up BB. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she had a she had a lot going on. And then we get and then we get to the launch of her of her of her tour, and she's which she starts off on the West Coast, apparently at some roller disco rink um, instead of a concert hall. Uh, <laughs> well, they're gonna do something with Xanadu once it closed. <laughs> and we get um, Speed, which is quite possibly. In my opinion, it is definitely the best musical number of the movie because um, there's just so much going on in that scene. You've got a laser light show. You've got chicks on motorcycles. You've got leather clad male dancers. You've got dykes on bikes. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah. What do you think they're singing about? Um, I think they're singing about traffic. <laughs> God, yeah, there was no subtlety in that song no. at all. But here's the funniest part is, is that when they got to the chorus, the way that it was singing, 
At first, I thought they were going to be advertising a soft drink because it sounded like a soft drink jingle when it got to that from the, from the 70s. Well, it sounded like – no, it was the Apple song. This sounded like um, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's during it was during the speed song that I, I wrote you and asked where the hell Meatloaf was. Yeah, pretty much. That's all that was needed was Meatloaf. Well, it's like when I'm watching the main event with Barbara Streisand and the theme song comes on. I'm waiting for her to promote Diet Coke. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's like you. It, 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 yeah. The, this the god. This musical number and when she screams "Speed," I'm seeing Trixie from Speed Racer. Right. Uh, <laughs> the way she's screaming it, <clears throat> and then what's great is the the very last lyric in the song is her just sitting there, just standing there, looking all distraught, going, "I need speed." <laughs> I'm like, really now? Okay. Um, I think you've had enough, ma'am. I think you buried the lead. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, of course she becomes a hit and Alfie becomes kind of homeless living with his uh, extremely Jewish landlady. He grabbed her boobs. Oh, yes. He grabbed like, her boobs. There was a boobs. scene in which he grabbed her boobs. He grabbed them hard because she liked his song. And, 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 and as if, you know, we didn't get that she's supposed to be Jewish. She goes to his bed and she goes, Oh! You're my sugar to kiss what you're doing here tonight with all the blankets and the leather. And I'm like, oh, no one's that Jewish. Oh, is this the pod room you had in here last night? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's 1994. I just like, when did you become a 1940 stereotype of Jewish people? Right? I mean, it's just God. And so, you know, he gets out to try to, you know, sell a song and, and fails. Um, because nobody want that. They, they tell him what everybody else tells him. Just go back to Moose Jaw. Yes, go back to Moose Jaw. And in the midst of doing all this, I mean, we now learn that it, it's required to wear the BIM mark or else you go to jail. and or, or you get a ticket and that's your first offense. And now apparently throughout the entire world at 4 o'clock, no matter what you're doing, you have to stop what you're doing to work out for an hour. Okay, wait, hold on a sec, because this I, this needs to be addressed. I don't have a problem with this, you know, compulsory exercise thing. Like, you know, I've seen Gung Ho, Michael Keaton's great, um, but what I am going to ask is this. How long was that running for everybody to learn their individual choreographical parts? <laughs> Especially in the uh, medical office when they're about ready to have heart surgery, and even the guy on the operating table has his own choreography. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you learn that? That's what I want to know. My favorite part is the nuns. Oh, the nuns were good. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the nuns are like, we're praying, we're praying, and solid gold out of nowhere. And and we're but but, and also we have these shiny kind of like lenticularly. Chrome uh, habits on. Yes. Because everything had to be that. Were they nuns or just rejects from Handmaid's Tale? Remember, <laughs> it's the future. <laughs> yeah, be- it is. It's the future of 1994. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, did you see all the cars that were the Homers? Yes, every car. <laughs> 
told you the homers in this movie. Every car. Um, so yeah, so after after the required um, workout session, um, he just Alfie Alfie decides to go after BB and gets the shit kicked out of him. And after getting the shit kicked out of him, it makes BB realize, oh, maybe I should have listened. And it's- creates what is Chris's favorite moment in the movie: cry for me. Oh my god. Where um, she's performing at a rain-covered window uh, dressed in the same outfit that Rosie O'Donnell wore in Exit to Eden. (laughs) (laughs) And he's at the window where apparently it's not raining on his side of the city, but it's raining (laughs) over Mr. Boogalow's BIM headquarters. (laughs) Which is in the shape of an apple, by the way. Which is in the shape of an apple, yes. Um... So we get so we get the big ballad number "Cry for Me," and the big endless love moment. Yes, yes. And so he decides to finally man up and go get her back. And as if the movie was not gay enough already, he goes to the apple in the sky with Bulu headquarters and apparently walks onto the set of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah, and they're all real happy he's there. Oh, yes. They're like, oh, you're here. Oh, fresh meat. And, yeah, he's, first of all, he's stupid for even drinking the mysterious drink mm-hmm. that they give him, which, honestly, looking at it, it looked, looked like some really bad lemonade that they gave him. It was, it was definitely a kamikaze that I had circa 2002 at a club I used to go to. <laughs> So they roofied the hell out of him, and then he drinks another glass of it. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, give me another one. <laughs> so that's when we see uh, Boogaloo again as Satan, and then that's when the parade of drag queens become multi-imaged and you know to show that he's high and everything. And this is where Pandy seduces him in the most subtle song of the entire film. Oh, is, this is the Isaac Hayes song, right? <laughs> Uh, th- yeah, this is actually as I mentioned, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, this is the song that Donna Summer successfully sued about because they actually ripped off one of her songs. Wasted, it's all called wasted. Yeah, and she and Donna Summer won uh, the case, but uh, the the song is still allowed to be uh, put in the movie. I don't know if Donna Summer has no because the credit oh, closing credits go by fast. I wouldn't take credit for co-writing this song for this movie but um the 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 song is basically her seducing alfie and fucking him while the uh what goes on inside isaac hayes's mind when he sleeps is dancing in the background well and the other part to this is you know and i and again i don't want to be reductionist here right i don't want to be reductive but this is the only moment in the movie that really felt like a, a, a straight male gaze fantasy. And that was weird for me that this was that moment, you know, like, like everything else was pretty, I was like, yeah, I'm into this. Like sweet, like dress up like a snake with a, you know, a G string on. Yeah. Put a weird headdress on. I'm into this. And it was like, what did, wait, what? This is this is as far as you're pushing this scene. Have you watched the rest of the movie that you're in? 
Yeah, when he meets the quote unquote the girls, I the one that they introduced where he was talking like Elmo at in drag, just that hi, I Elmo like your music. And uh, Elmo Horning. <laughs> I mean, it, it's one thing to to you know when you're in drag to put your voice at a higher octave to give the illusion, the, the illusion of being a female. But when you start talking like this, like Edith Bunker on helium, then I know <laughs> that just ruins the whole entire illusion. Uh, I, you know, sashay away to everybody in that scene because they just, they, they were, uh, it was some horrible drag queens going Their on. Their duct tape was too tight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what did you think of the choreographed orgy? You know, it was pretty good. I liked the handstands a lot. They were pretty good. Um, I was I was pretty impressed across the board um, with the with what I'm going to refer to as Date Rape of Palooza 2000 <laughs> 2020. Um, it was, it was uh, a lot. Say that it was a lot. It was good. I again, I fully support this movie one hundred percent. And so after this happens, you know she 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 fucks his brains out, but he still wants BB. Even though we walk into um, apparently. <laughs> They filmed this little moment on the set of Suspiria, apparently. Right. Because he goes crashing through this window and everything's so oddly lit. And she's like, who are you? And, and you know, continues to have sex with uh, anorexic Robert Daltrey. <laughs> and so he runs away. And in comes the hippies. Well, hold on. Before, the, before we get to the hippies... He runs away, but there's a scene directly after that that I want to discuss. The morning after, um, what's her what's her teeth uh, bangs? Oh bangs yes, the protagonist the... brains out. There is a scene where she is downstairs in I guess what is the foyer of the 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 Apple Complex and uh, Cupertino there. And uh, <laughs> and Snack is down there. And, and yet, uh, the the important plot point in this is that BB comes in and she's like, "He came looking for you last night. You should go to him." This is less than like five hours after she she banged this guy into another room. Well, um, you know, everybody went to sauna and she had a change no, no, of no, heart. No. That's the part. That's <laughs> the part. The most aggressive question I've ever heard asked in my entire life was asked to that scene. Hey, do you want a sauna? <laughs> no? Okay. It's like, what? <laughs> You want you want a sauna with me? I want a sauna. <laughs> and so, um, BB escapes. Yes. And then we have a musical number um, between BB and um, and uh, 
and Mandy. Right. Mandy. Or Pandy. And Pandy. We, yeah, yeah, so we have that musical number that happens. And... Um, now, here's another about this number, though. In the movie, it's a duet. On the soundtrack, it's not. It's all Pandy. Well, that's because she doesn't sing her own lines, right? Yeah. Right. So... So then, you know, um, BB miraculously, thanks to the help of uh, Meshugana Jackson in her apartment complex. He's with those hippies under the bridge in the cave <laughs> under the bridge. We call that, we call that a culvert where I'm from. <laughs> That's a runoff. He's been hanging out with those hippies. We all huh? float down there. That's the sewer. That's what that is. And so she finds them and, you know, and... and Goes down into the hippie headquarters, which um, I'm surprised that they had the time to carve steps into the stone. And not only were they steps carved into the stone, but they were really well-constructed steps carved into the stone to lead into this hippie commune. Oh my god, they've been there for 40 years. <laughs> and... You know, you know that that entire cave smells like patchouli and bo. You know it, and oh yeah. So you know, they go down, and he's he is residing in what is called the bachelor headquarters, and <laughs> <laughs> they reunite. In other words, they're using him for stuff. Yes, they're using him for stuff. <laughs> So they reunite and I guess get married because we because at, at this point we don't know how much time has passed. We know that enough time has passed to where uh, she's been with them, indoctrinated into the hippies, and apparently they have. A they say over a year. That's, yeah, that's we can. bless you. Excuse me. We find out that it's over a year, but I question that because that's not a baby that they have. That, that, I want to say that. That's a toddler. That's a goddamn toddler that they're holding. <laughs> and who's the father? Yeah, and who's the father? Because is is it Alfie, or is it Bandy? Bandy. I mean, who's the father? They don't say because Listen, the, the child's hair looks nothing like either of their hair. No. <laughs> it looks like Bandy's Listen, hair. Listen, just because just because uh, Alfie decides he's going to go all guy on a buffalo and grow out his uh, his seventies Ma his beard. magnificent beard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he, he, they never said how long they were down. Like this movie's been missing a lot of timeline, like continuity nods, because they never say how long they're down there until after we've been introduced to him being down there. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this is after um, after um, the Gestapo shows up to run him out of the park. Yes, because he owes him ten million dollars. Um, I, ju I just love the fact that he transformed into Jeremiah Johnson. I mean, it's just... Yeah, he did. He really did. <laughs> he, he was the only one left alive at the Alamo. And... <laughs> so, yeah, they come... Yeah, so Boogaloo finally <clears throat> comes after BB. They have a warrant for her arrest, and she owes the company $10 million, which the hippies laugh at. And so because the hippies laugh at that fact, they are all arrested. And then it was at this point, it seemed like Golan Globus didn't know how to end this film. <laughs> so they said, okay, well, let's have God come down in a Cadillac and save him. Sure. <laughs> Why not? It, it, 
It's it's the rapture. <laughs> and so and so here Yeah, come, we go straight from Genesis to Moses. Yeah. To the rapture. <laughs> yeah, I mean we missed a there's a lot missing in this. So here comes Mr. Big. God, Tops. God, Mr. Tops. Oh, Mr. Tops. Here comes Mr. Tops, God, in his uh, in his Cadillac, walking out in his white pimp suit. And, and and what was cracking me up is the way he walks. He's walking like Angus Scrim from the Phantasm movies. Yeah, he really <laughs> has got like a weird stutter step. <laughs> and so he comes down and saves all the hippies. And... Um, well, the actor is the same actor that portrays the hippie leader. Yes. Yeah. It's the same guy. And um, apparently, um, Pandy, she decides to join the hippies. Yay! So that, that, that's... Whores do get a second chance. <laughs> Harry Magdalene got her next shot. So so she joins them, and that's when uh, Mr. Top says that he's going to find a new planet, one without evil... Um, and basically, as you said, leaves all the gay people behind. And <laughs> that's the end of the movie. But like, like I said, apparently there was a uncut pre preamble to this film that shows Mr. Tops creating the universe, creating Adam and Eve, um, out, or creating Adam out of stone and then sending Adam to BB. So at what point is this movie supposed to, how, what's the span of time <laughs> that humanity has been on earth at this point? We, the world may never know. I guess not. <laughs> there's one glaring thing we are not discussing yet. And that is the moose jaw in Alfie's pants. <laughs> Yeah, it, it enters the room before he does. You definitely see it in the 2K restoration. There's Moose Knuckle, and then there's that. Moose I God. haven't. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> Which should tell you everything you need to know about my sexuality. <laughs> it, it 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 was front and center. It was it was it was hard not to see it. And it, a little it was, to the left. It, I mean, at one point, I'm literally screaming when he walks into the room. Crotch ahoy! As he comes <laughs> in. Um, uh, but it's amazing that, um, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart's career survived this movie because nobody's career, no one else's career survived this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the guy who played Alfie, this was his first and last film. He did, he didn't do anything else. Proof that there is a God. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, if anything, the guy who played Snick went on to be in Velvet Goldmine. Yep. But... I mean, yeah, somehow after this, Catherine Mary Stewart got films that she's more known for and has, you know, become an actual name. And, um, you know, not only, you know, The the Last Starfighter, but Night of the Comet, which is a huge cult classic. Uh, she's done some soap work. Uh, just recently, she was actually a character in Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So you know she's still a working actress, and I'm shocked because I I I, I would have thought this movie would have been a career ender for everybody involved. I mean this this was the showgirls of its time. It really was. Um, and um, 
not only did this film, I, I found out not only was this film a tax shelter for Golan Globus, uh, but apparently Golan was who directed the movie was so distraught at the audience's reaction to this thing because they thought this was going to be a big film for them. They were so distraught that he actually almost killed himself over this movie and Globus had to stop him from committing suicide. Really? Yeah. So uh, that says a lot about how train wreckish of a film I guess. the Apple Jeez. is. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Are you sure? It was okay. So it's not Kiss. You're gonna have to fight really hard to beat that. You were like, that's the that's the top. The, Mr. Tops puts Kiss in his Cadillac and takes him to a new world without evil. So, as far as I'm concerned, so that's but, our that's our new benchmark of quality is Kiss and the Phantom of the Park. For this show, I think maybe it is. But <laughs> this, I mean, it's 90 minutes. It's weird and fun. If you liked uh, rock and roll, you'll like this. It's equally as strange and, and has a, a, a similar storyline. The music's fantastic. Oh, Just, yeah, the soundtrack is wasted in this movie. I mean, there's actually some genuinely great songs yeah. in this film. Yeah. I mean, and Like this one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Producer Chris... <laughs> I felt like I was listening to the uh, to the original uh, cast uh, recording of the of the of the musical theater produ- the Broadway production of, of Chess. <laughs> but I was listening to that, by the way, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. So don't think that's a bad thing. But I was just like, wow. All right. But yeah, the music. I mean, there are a couple of songs that honestly can be thrown out, like "Child of Love." Um, Child of Love, Master, and the song that Bugalo enters to. Those three, I don't care for. What the rest of them, I love. Master is the reggae song, right? Yes, yeah. that's the one where he's singing about being a master, and he's surrounded by his black coworkers. By black people. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to give this movie props, though. Every song is from a different genre. Yeah. They they really do a really good job of presenting different. You got your love song, you got your ballad, you got your disco, you got your rock, you got your reggae, you got your pop. I mean, the one thing they're missing is country. Oh, it was a super fun. It was a super fun movie. The music yeah. was great. The acting was super over the top, campy, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't want this to be played for played seriously. This isn't this isn't the Notebook. You know, you want it to be over the top. You want it to not make a whole lot of sense. You know, there's a reason that we're doing a Golan Globus panel at all con. Yes. Because those movies are banana crackers, Gorilla Triscuits crazy, and there's so much fun to watch. So, yes, everybody should take the 90 minutes out of their weekend if they have Amazon Prime and just watch this thing. Yeah. Definitely. While it's on Amazon Prime, take yeah. advantage of it. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's this is definitely up there with, when it comes to cult films with like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and The Room, Xanadu, and Xanadu Grease and Grease Two and everything. Yeah. I mean, this this is a true cult film, yeah. and I, I, it's probably one of the biggest cult films that we've covered so far on the show. And the only reason why 
I wanted to go with a more well-known cult film versus a lesser known is this because of the fact that you told me you've never seen this thing. Yeah, I, I still, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, this feels like I've seen it. And then, and then I was like, no, I haven't seen this. Like, <laughs> well, but I'm left with one burning question, and that is, is Bim on the way? <laughs> Well, Bim's not on the way, but Maximum Overdrive is. Oh, that's a, that, I'm, out, I'm out. So wait, I got one more. I got a final question yes. about this. What is Bim an allegory for? Uh, Boogaloo in... Was, well, no, well, it's, 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 it's uh, Boogaloo um, some, uh, something music, but Bim, the Bim mark is supposed to be representing of the 666 six, six, six mark. Six, yeah. the, uh, oh, Antichrist. shit, okay. Okay, yeah. I'm with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah right, Bim, right. Oh, Bo- Boogaloo Industries, no, Boogaloo Industrial Music. Yeah. Okay, okay. But, but yeah. Just saying, just saying that it was the, the, the mark of the beast. Yes. Like, yeah. okay. And okay. see, and that's another thing in the in the two K restoration that you're able to clear see a little more clearly than in uh, uh, the prints of it is is that you can see the BIM mark has this weird. I it looks like an up, upside down Roman numeral five stacked in a pyramid shape. Uh, so I guess in this world, instead of six six six, it's five 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 as the mark <laughs> of the beast. Uh, but well, and see, the Bim mark is the mark of the beast, but Bim is actually the beast because, and the Antichrist, because the Antichrist's goal, according to the Bible, is to come to Earth and confuse people, thinking that he's actually the return of Jesus. Where in fact, it's the Antichrist, and, mm-hmm. he, and he's supposed to entice you and confuse you and manipulate you, which is what they do. Okay. Only this way, they find the easiest way to do it is with music. Okay, I'm with it now. Yeah. I got it. I and, got it. And apparently, yes, in, apparently, in this version, the Antichrist is um, gay, a gay Frenchman, gay Frenchman. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've not seen a gay or satanic performance outside of uh, Santa Claus from uh, Mexico. <laughs> I love pitch. Oh my god! So we're moving on. So, so as you can see, also this does fit into the inspired by cocaine motive that we were going with. You know, it was oh, flowing by on that far, because you, you know that any time there was smoke on this screen, it was actually cocaine dust. Um, it was just getting kicked up. Yes. <laughs> but n- now we move on. They say you play this movie backwards. You have to see the ghost of Whitney Houston. Ooh, <laughs> damn, that's funny. <laughs> So with our next episode, uh, we move on to Maximum Overdrive, which is yeah. uh, which is uh, the film where Stephen King did so much cocaine that his eyeballs bled, and um, I'm, it's good. It, it's kind of hard going from this one to this one because they're so jarring because because we're, we're, we're basically going from this gay Satan disco movie to ACDC the movie. Right. <laughs> so, um, and just about how everyone was just so high on cocaine in this thing. I mean, it, it you can clearly see that even Emilio Estevez was high on cocaine uh, during the filming of Emilio Estevez. Yeah, yeah, I would too if I was Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Well, Yearly Smith famously has gone on record saying that everybody was so drunk during the filming. Of this, not after, not before, like, but while they were filming, mm-hmm. uh, that she had trouble. She was an adult woman at the time of the filming of this movie. That she had trouble just being on set. 
not because anything was happening, but nothing was getting done because King was so high and Estevez and Gross and like everybody else was just so drunk that it was impossible to get anything done. <laughs> and that's why we are definitely doing the movie that and because it's just so ridiculous. So. Oh, it's fantastic. All right. So you can find us again on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter under These Films Exist. Uh, the Twitter activity will probably quiet down a little bit now that Joe Bob uh, on Shutter is done for the season. Um, I know that anybody who follows us on Twitter on Friday nights probably got flooded with, uh, with uh, responses to the movies that Joe Bob is showing, especially since on the season finale he showed Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. God, it's so good. We need to do oh, that. Oh, we're definitely doing that at some point on this show. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, but... Um, yeah, uh, you can find us there, and uh, we'll probably be dropping the episode of uh, Maximum Overdrive very soon. So, yeah, to, it's not going to be a month wait for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then, um, then I will drop the next movie, which I don't think Andy is ready for because of how serious the damn film is. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing Schindler's List. Yes, we're doing Schindler's List. I found a bootleg copy of Equus starring Daniel oh, Radcliffe. Oh, God, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I've seen it. You can't do that to me. I've already seen it. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.